Welcome in. Before we get rolling, I want to tell you about the awesome sponsors that are keeping this free for you guys. First on the list, we have Pacific Custom Calls. If you're looking for a waterfowl call at all, ducks, geese, cranes, whatever you're after, uh, Pacific Calls have got it. I personally run the uh, 509 Goose Call. been doing it for a couple years, and I love it. haven't had any issues with it yet. Uh, the guys over there are awesome. So if you're looking for a new call, you can find them at PacificCustomCalls.com. Uh, search them up, find what you need. If they don't have it, they will soon. Next, we have DuckSeason.com. Uh, this is a website where you can go on, uh, put in your location, where you're at, what you hunt, what you go after, and you can link up with people from across the country and see what they go after, where they're at, and you guys can trade hunts. Uh, it's an awesome deal. If you uh, don't have the money to do a guided hunt or you don't want to have a guide and you just kind of want to do somewhat freelance, this is a uh, great way to do it. So get on there, get signed up. just takes a couple seconds to uh, get your info in there and you're uh, on the list and people can search through your state and find you. And It's a great thing. I'm on it. Look for me there. Maybe we can trade a hunt someday. Now we have Easy Deeks uh, decoy rigging systems, decoy weight systems. They do Texas rigs, timber rigs, whatever you're looking for for your floating uh, decoys or decoy bags or anything like that. They got it there. Uh, check them out. A lot of cool stuff on there. Their website is the letters E-Z-Deeks, dot com. Um, a lot of cool things on there. Go check them out. Now we got Waylon Johnson and his guide service. He's down in the San Antonio area. He's chasing all sorts of ducks and geese down there along with some fishing. Uh, if you're down in the area looking for uh, some birds or for some fishing, give him a call. His number is 361-494-7868. Now for your decoy needs, you should go check out Big Al's Decoys. Uh, silhouettes of about any bird you can think of he's got on there. Uh, swans, ducks, geese, pigeons, turkeys, and uh, possibly some more cool things in the future big things. So uh, if you're looking for some decoys, go check them all out. They got bags and everything on the site. Uh, it's BigAlsDecoys.com, B-I-G-A-L-S-D-E-C-O-Y-S.com. And on to uh, a custom lanyard site. If you're looking to uh, get a new lanyard, hang your calls on, looking for something to get customized, uh, Landon does a great job. He's at uh, Darkwater Customs. You can find him on Instagram and put an order through him that way at dark underscore water underscore customs get on there check it out he does some awesome work um, not just lanyards he does haulers too so uh get after it go get him go get something cool from him now we've got steady wing outfitters that's mikey soberano over in northeast kansas he specializes in waterfowl turkey deer i know for waterfowl season coming up he's uh ready and raring to go so if you're looking for a hunt over in that area give him a call his number is 785 410-2304. And last but not least, we have Highline Retrievers. That's my dog training business up here in Northeast Montana. Uh, if you're looking to get your dogs trained, if you're looking for advice, uh, whatever you need, I'm always available. I'm always uh, willing to help out. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, all the places. And then if you need to get a hold of me, uh, my number is 406-783-7083. Thanks a lot. Thanks to all of our sponsors and enjoy the show. Well, Covey took wing, shotgun singing, a pointing dog down in the old logging road. And then he got three and looked back grinning. I fumbled around and I tried to reload. The country was cold. 
All right, welcome to the Woods and Water Podcast. This is Garrett. Today I've got Cole Stevens with me. He's from uh, Great Falls, Montana, and he's got a cool story for us about a grizzly bear encounter on a dead animal. But uh, before we get to that, uh, Cole, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, my name is Cole Stevens. I'm from Great Falls, Montana. I do pole barns for a living, building for MQS up in Montana, and I have a fiance, Katrina, and I just love hunting whenever I get the chance. And it's awesome, awesome getting on the podcast today. And hope you guys enjoy the story. Cool. So before we get into that, um, how did you get started in the outdoors? Were you a little kid dragging around a bow like the rest of us, or what got you going? Yeah, I grew up, uh, I think I was around the age of five when we moved out to the country, and my dad did a little bit of hunting, took me along, taught me some stuff, and then I just loved it. Went out every day, I'd go out in the woods before school, see what I could find, and just picked up hunting along the way and kept learning, teaching myself mostly. But So did you start out with archery then? Uh, my dad was a gun hunter. So when I went with him, we'd use rifle. Um, but I, he did teach me how to shoot a bow. I started out with a recurve and I actually try shooting squirrels with my bow all the time. He, told me before I could take my rifle squirrel hunting, I had to kill one with a bow. So that got me into bow hunting. Did you get it done then? You stick one with your bow? Yep. I stuck a few of them with my bow. Perfect. Perfect. So did you, um, I suppose you took hunter ed and bow hunter ed, like most of us in Montana around the age of 12 or whatever, or did you do it in Montana? Do you grow up in Montana? So I actually grew up in Hopkinsville, Kentucky and I would have taken my hunter court, hunter safety course down here. Um, that was good, but I kind of already knew all this stuff. So, what could you do? You guys have to wait for twelve for that, or is Kentucky one of those states where you could uh, start out as a kid? Like as long as you were with your dad, you were good to go. Um, I I think I'm not for sure, but I believe you know hunting with your dad, you're okay. I think it's around fourteen, fifteen you actually have to take the hunter's ed course to buy a license. Previously, I just hunted with my dad on our private land and didn't need to worry about any of that. So I got you. Cool. So you got your bow stuff. Uh, when did you uh, start going after deer? Was that when you were young or were you a little bit older? Like with your bow, when, when did you start chasing around deer with your bow? Um, I, pro- I got my first compound probably around the age of 12 and that was when I could really start smacking squirrels I had sights (laughs) and I started going out for deer I believe I would have been 13 14 when I shot my first deer with a doe doe spike big old boy what was it well it was basically a spike but I guess there were five little points I counted on there at the time (laughs) I was I was taking my other little brother and we were walking up a trail and a deer stood up on the side of the trail. Its head was behind the tree and he was telling me it's a huge buck. Shoot it, shoot it. (laughs) I went ahead and shot it and it wasn't quite as huge as he said it was, but hey, it counts. That's cool. That's real cool. 
How was, do you remember what the adrenaline rush was like on that first one? Even though he was little before you even knew that oh, though, when you hit him. Oh yeah. I was super excited. I saw the blood pumping and he only went 30 yards as double lung shot. And I was pretty small at the time, but with all that adrenaline, I was able to pull him all the way up a pretty steep hill and then had my dad come with the truck and we loaded him up. But yeah, that first one though, I mean, the adrenaline rush you get from that first one with a bow is something you'll never wish everybody in their lifetime could experience it once. It's crazy. Yeah. But all right. So moved up, you're shooting deer with a bow and stuff. Um, besides that, you got a bear up there on the wall behind you. Did you shoot that or where was that done at? That was Montana. Um, not this last spring, but the spring before that, uh, Got my first black bear. That was pretty cool. Is that bow I, or rifle? Rifle. Oh. I, it was my going, and it was actually my first day. I bought my tag that day, went out with a buddy of mine, and just got lucky, I guess. Second spot we went to, glassed him up about a mile from the truck and went after him and ended up 60 yards from him. So I wish I would have had my bow, but. Is great experience anyway, and hopefully I'll get after another one with my bow. Yeah, my uh, speaking of that, my my buddy Ben, he went out. Well, he's he's big into the reloading and um, you know, making rounds and everything for long distance for rifle, and he's got six five PRC, and it was last year or two years ago. He loaded up some rounds and he was shooting like eight hundred yards, thousand yards through this rifle and getting all ready for bear season to be able to shoot across a canyon to shoot a black bear and everything. And he went out to Idaho and I think it was the first morning they were walking at daybreak along a logging road to get up to a glassing point and they come around a corner and there was a bear at like 80 yards. So he shot it with that, all that, all that work you put in to get to a hundred or 800 to a thousand yards. And he shot one at 60 yards with it. Well, that's kind of like me when I take my rifle out, I don't really want a super close shot. Yeah. Otherwise I take my bow but it always seems to happen that way yeah yeah i've had that happen i've had that happen with deer we'll be out i'll go a full season not being able to get close to my bow and then rifle season one time me and my dad were sitting in the pickup we just walked back to the pickup after a long long walk and we were trying to figure out where we wanted to go to next to get out to walk and here come a two deer as a buck and a doe and they came right over the hill walked right down to the pickup and walked by and they're close enough i could have reached out and touched them out the window if i wanted yeah. to and Kept on going by. Couldn't have that happen. We had the bow, of course, but it is what I did. Never. So, let's see. What Before we do the bear, last thing, what is your favorite deer or whatever that you shot? What's your coolest hunt? What's your coolest memory that you remember? Oh, there's so many. Yeah. Always, it's a hard one. Yeah. Um... Let's go with what's your biggest deer then. Make it easier. Do that one and then you can think on your favorite okay. one. Uh, my biggest one was last season. I traveled down to Kentucky. I got a big one on camera and I really wanted to go after elk, but I, I couldn't pass up, you know, an opportunity to hunt deer like this. It was the biggest one I'd had on that farm and I'd been hunting it eight to 10 years, I'd say. So you had him on camera and you knew he was down there? Yeah, I left some cell cameras down here and I'd come visit my family. So 
it just made sense to put out cameras and keep my spots that I have. And I hunted, I actually stayed down here a whole month. It, I got a little carried away with it, but that's what I do when I go hunting. Worth it. Um, yeah, it was worth it in the end. I hunted him hard with a bow up until opening day again. And a good friend of mine once told me, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. So I, if I do bring a bow during gun season, I always have him with me. So that's what I did opening day. I went in there, sat all morning. It was pretty cold down here for Kentucky that morning. Had a nice storm the night before. Good cold front. It was first cold front of the year, actually. And I saw some nice ones that morning. A lot of real good ones. But I was holding out for them. I, I left around noon just to get a snack. Came back, and as I was walking down to my stand, uh, doe came running out of the draw in the field. It's big 200-acre field and still had standing beans in it. And I saw a big buck come running after that doe, and I had a pretty good idea who it was just from seeing him. I think he was about 200 yards when I spotted him. So I sat down. I my long bipods on my gun, thankfully from hunting in Montana. Those are pretty handy. So I, I put those out, got ready, got them in the scope. And I realized it was either him or a deer I was going to shoot since I'd been there so long. It was yeah. pretty big. And I settled in. He stopped about 300 yards away and took my first shot. Felt good, but the deer just kind of trotted in a circle and stood facing me. That got me a little worried. I hadn't, hadn't checked my gun after traveling down. So I put another one in him, <laughs> hit him square in the chest. And then he turned and started running up towards the wood line, carrying his leg. So I was a little worried the left and right might be off or something. I wasn't sure. So I took a one at him right and I've been shooting coyotes all winter long up in Montana running, so I got pretty good at it over the winter. And it, it folded him. I don't know if it was a lucky shot or all my coyote hunting paid off, but I walked up there and the gun was on perfect. He was just a tank taking bullets. He, The running shot and my first broadside shot were only a couple inches. But so they were all right there in the chest then. Yeah. During the rut, they just have. Yeah. Got the uh, adrenaline and everything. Yeah. How would you compare those Kentucky deer versus uh Montana deer whitetail wise? Are they pretty close to the same body size or Montana ones bigger? Uh, I'd say they're about same body size, maybe a little bit, probably a little bigger body down here. Oh, down there they're bigger, huh? I don't know. From from the ones I've shot, I don't usually weigh my deer, mm -hmm. but I would think so. Yeah, and I mean that can Just, that can vary from deer to deer too. Because two years ago, my wife shot one, and he had to weigh 150 pounds more than the one that my dad shot, 
and they were five miles apart. My dad's looked like he was older based on teeth and antlers, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would just say that they're probably bigger body down here because we have more row crops, a lot more food, I would think. Mm. But I'm not for sure. I got maybe you. there's some. Uh, See, I'm biology. thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking of the ones we got here on the east side of the state because we've got piles like everything out here is row crop too. You guys are more oh. haying and cattle over there in the Great Falls area, so yeah, that that does kind of make sense. Um, mm. If you have not heard yet, we are doing an awesome waterfowl gear giveaway to uh, start out season here. It's going to be a six-week giveaway, one prize every week for six weeks. Uh, every episode will have one winner drawn in it and announced. The first winner will be drawn September 6th. The next one will be September 13th, September 20th, September 27th, October 4th, and October 11th. The sponsors that are putting this on, a ton of thanks to them. That's uh, Darkwater Customs. Uh, he makes lanyards and haulers. Uh, Pacific Calls is putting in two calls, a duck call and a goose call. Easy Deeks is putting up some uh, timber rigs. We got a case of shotgun shells from Highline Retrievers, and uh, Big Al's Decoys is putting in five dozen decoys with a bag. September 6th is going to be the lanyard. September 13th will be the uh, Deuces Duck Call from Pacific Calls. Timber Rigs will be September 20th from Easy Deeks. September 27th will be an Ivory 509 Goose Call from Pacific Calls. October 4th will be the case of shotgun shells. And then October 11th will be five dozen Big Al's decoys with the bag. So that's the lineup. Uh, to get signed up, you have to go to the pinned post on the Woods and Water Instagram page. It's W underscore W underscore podcast. All the details to enter are in there. Uh, it's pretty simple. Yeah, take three friends in the comments on that. Follow all of the Instagram pages for all of the sponsors. You have to be subscribed to the podcast. Once you've done those, Screenshot the proof that you are subscribed to the podcast. Send that a direct message to the Woods and Water podcast page. I'll see that. I'll go through, make sure you've done all the other things. Subscribe to everyone else and take three friends. Once you've done that, I'll enter you in. Uh, there's a chance to get a bonus entry if you share it to your story. That will also pop up for me if you shared it to your story. So I'll, I will enter you in a second time for that. Again, thank you to the sponsors that are putting this on. It's an awesome giveaway. A lot of cool things in here. You guys aren't going to want to miss it. Uh, make sure you tell your friends about it. Let's get a bunch of people in this. Um, the more people we get involved, the more cool giveaways like this we can do. And uh, this is actually really, really cool, awesome one I'm very excited about. So I really hope you guys are too. Uh, if you have any questions, you message me. Make sure you get entered and good luck. All right. Kind of tease it long enough. We'll talk about it and then we'll get into some other stuff too. Um so this deer that you got this year kind of went viral on Instagram real quick yeah. for what happened on it. So why don't you break down the story on your deer this year and kind of how it went. Yeah. So I was last year, I was fortunate enough to find a good group of bucks and they were pretty patternable there early season right before they break up, still in velvet, you know, just going from food to bedding. And last year I made it happen first evening. 
And my plan this year was to try to get on the same group of deer, hopefully hoping they have the same patterns. And sure enough, I had a few good ones glassed up and I was hunting them pretty hard. First evening, I got pretty close to a real nice one, just didn't work out. I lost light and I've got the smallest peep I can get on my bow because I do a lot of target archery and stuff too. So that didn't help me out and I had to let him go. I didn't think I could get a good shot on him. But uh, I hunted, I think it was close to two weeks by the time I ended up harvesting that buck. And I had a lot of great encounters, a lot of good deer, just couldn't make it happen on the big ones and wanted to let some of the smaller ones go. But the evening I went in, for this buck, I had watched him the night before in this tall grass, and it, he seemed to be doing that every night. So that day, I had the right wind to slip in to the backside of that grass, and I was just easing my way in, and I saw his times in the grass. He was a little earlier than I expected. So I, I crouched down and watched him for a bit, and. He was just got up from his bed, was feeding around, I guess, a little, and then he bedded up again. And this grass is all probably shoulder high. So it was pretty hard to see in there. Was it like but, uh like irrigated grass like for hanging or how was it just a crazy pasture? Um, I don't think that spot was irrigated. It was kinda got some ruts in it i don't think they did much with that little area all around it was irrigated stuff but i think they liked bedding in there so i slipped up to about 30 yards from where i had last seen him and i couldn't tell if he was still there or not but i was close enough to where i wanted to be and i didn't want to risk spooking him because from the past two weeks I've learned that they usually don't travel too far and they're just really good at hiding down there on the ground. So I, I waited there probably an hour and a half and my leg fell asleep and I kind of tried to reposition myself because I was on my knees for that most of that hour and a half just waiting. And right when I did that, a, a doe picked me up. She had been walking in and I couldn't see her until I picked my head up a little higher when I repositioned myself there and she blew at me and that spooked the buck up and I saw him take a couple leaps and then I didn't really see him or hear him so I wasn't sure quite how far he ran I didn't think he got too spooked um I was hoping he just figured she was blowing out a coyote or something and it would die down. She ended up walking probably 10 yards from me, just doing that little circle around me. And finally she left with her fawn that she had with her. Didn't make any more noise. So I was thankful for that. And I eased up to where he had been bedded and I could see that there was a little bit of a dirt bank there. And with the tall grass, it just made it like a wall that I couldn't see past. So I 
eased up over that bank there and he was right there probably inside 20 yards so the grass was just a little too tall to get a good range on him but from shooting all that target archery like i said i i got a pretty good idea on my ranges and i i figured he was around that 17 18 yards so i just eased over there's a little bit of grass in the way but i figured at 20 yards you know it's not gonna affect it too much if i can eat get if i could get it right over the top of the grass there i thought i had a pretty good shot at sticking them good so i just eased over put my 20 yard pin on him and let it fly i had some luminox on but I could not see them with the sun glowing as bright as it was. I heard a good smack and he took off running. And then he just disappeared in the grass again. I quickly went up there to where I shot him, not being able to see where there are actually impacted with the sun so bright. Uh, I found some blood. I was little bit above him when I took the shot standing on that berm so it wasn't bleeding super great there wasn't a good end exit hole just because I shot him quartered away so stuck so on hard. that shoulder the back yeah, shoulder probably on the picture there but I, I heard him kicking just as soon as I got to where he had been standing and he didn't go but made cards so I went over there, he has already expired. And I, I started trying to get pictures with him and uh, mosquitoes started swarming me. And I'd been hunting there, like I said, for the past two weeks and hadn't had any mosquitoes in there at all. Nothing like what they were attacking me then. So that was frustrating. They were biting me through my shirt, through my face mask. And I ended up giving up on trying to take pictures with him. And I just wanted to get him packed out. And uh, I got my knife out. I was fixing to start dressing him up and packing out. And the mosquitoes were just too bad. I started kind of hyperventilating a little bit i don't know i think i was in a little bit of shock i started clapping in front of me and my hands covered up black with mosquitoes in a couple seconds so i i turned around i was going to go back to the truck get a hoodie get my little thermocell do anything to something try to keep... get rid of those get those things off your skin yeah nothing Nothing makes me mad like mosquitoes. Oh, welcome to the club. Yeah. So I started walking out. And of course, I'm still in this tall grass. I couldn't see more than 20, 30 yards in there. And when I got out of the grass, I saw a fish and game truck up sitting on the road. Seemed to be watching me. So, of course... First thing that goes through my mind is, oh no, what did I do? Yeah. What Don't run, to get run through on your brain. Make sure you got your tags. Make sure you're in the right spot. Make sure you yeah. went on something you weren't supposed to be, even though, you know, you assume everything is right. But yeah. Even if you're perfect, yeah. it always makes you wonder. 
Yeah, but that with the mosquitoes coming at me, I was just, I was a little frustrated, but I kept stomping out of the field. The mosquitoes were following me. I might have broke into a little jog for a second trying to get away from them, but I got up to the road and uh, it actually ended up being a biologist for the area. Okay. Um, but he's employed by FWP and has the truck and everything. So he came down, introduced himself, and then he asked me, Did you know you had a grizzly walking towards you? And I was like, oh, I was just kind of mind blown. I had no idea. I was like, no, I didn't. He was like, yeah, he was probably one to 200 yards from you when you turned and started walking out. So stop real quick right there. So now where you're at, you're in Western Montana, but you're not like in the mountains or anything. You're east to the front. So we're not, we're not in great grizzly country where they're a very common occurrence, right? No, they, well, they shouldn't be, but I, sometimes they do venture out that far, I guess. You see them every now and again, but it's not like, not like every time you go out hunting, you're strapping on your gun and your bear spray just in case type of deal. I always do in the back country. Um, but out there, I just really didn't expect to see anything and no, my bear spray was in the car and all I brought was a nine mil. So, okay. So now, so this, it wasn't expected at all. Was it wasn't on your mind at all. It wasn't a thought until you brought it up. Nope. And so, yeah, I was just kind of sh- shocked. I had no idea that it coming for me and. I turned around and looked, and sure enough, that grizzly was already in those grasses with the deer. And he he was down there because someone had called in spotting the grizzly. And then some other hunters that had been hunting close by saw me shoot the deer. And they had been watching the grizzly, too, and the grizzly started coming towards me. So they flagged him down and told him that I was down in there with the grizzly. So looking back, I think those mosquitoes are probably a message from God to get out of there. That and those That's other me. hunters seeing it too, to tell yeah. a biologist. Cause I mean, if you would have got out there, got your sweatshirt and went back and well, anyways, keep on going, keep going on your story. That would have been bad. I would have hiked right back into them. So yeah. I'm glad everything worked out how it did. It was yeah. so a blessing. How did it go? I mean, did you guys watch them on, on your deer for a bit, or what happened? No. Um, the other hunter came down and joined us, and they were just telling me their point of view, and as just really crazy. Adrenaline started going there. there if it wasn't already from shooting the deer. Uh, but we ended up, a uh, biologist was able to get a hold of whoever he needed to talk to, I guess. And we were able to take his truck out onto there and push that bear off of the carcass. And we chased him off and me and the other hunters went in there and drug him out real quick and loaded him up. And we all get to hunt another day. Yeah. Wasn't no messing around quarter mouth there or anything. Just get it out and get gone. So you guys drove up in there and he was on the carcass? Yeah, he hadn't been on it very long. He, You saw the 
my broadhead really opened up his mm -hmm. side, the mm -hmm. quarter away shot. And he just kind of opened it up some more and was eating at the ribs a little bit. So he just lost a little I... bit of rib meat then? Yeah. Did uh Was it hard to push him off or did he just kind of shit and get once he saw you guys coming? I think when the truck started driving towards him, he figured it was time to go. <laughs> so... Was that biologist? Was he a bear biologist, or did you talk to him much afterwards? Like, what was the uh, aftermath? Did they look after this bear at all to kind of see where he went after? Or, I guess have you heard anything about it after? No, it was just about dusk. It, it was dusk when we drove out there, and after that, we just drove drove up to where I was gonna cut him up at and. I thanked him and let him know I really appreciated, you know, him stopping me from running back in. But that was that was about it. Yeah, yeah. Lucky you got out of there when you did, and lucky that they told him to stop in and talk to you. Because I mean, I would have done the same thing. Mosquitoes that bad. I would have run to the truck, got some thicker gloves, uh, sweatshirt, throwing the bone bow in the pickup, and ran back to it. So. I would have done yeah. the same thing you would have done, I'm assuming, if there wasn't somebody there to stop you. So that would have been bad if you would have walked in on a bear on your carcass that he had probably claimed yeah. already. Yeah, he, he probably would have been worse than if he would have walked up on me. Yeah. So if you're going to be hunting the area again, are you going to throw bear spray in your pack at least? I, I think I'll put some bear spray in and grab a bigger gun when I walk out the door. <laughs> yeah. Well, even... So I lived west of there over in the Shoto area. And when I lived, when I lived in town there, we had a uh, mom and two cubs one spring were in some grain bins, like on the edge of town, like in town, right across from the John Deere dealership. And then when we left, like the, it was like a week after we moved out of there. Um, they shut down like half the town because there was a bear spotted in that side of town by multiple people. So, I mean, that's east of the, where we were at. It was east of the front, only like 30 miles. So it wasn't as crazy. But I mean, once you get out to the Great Falls area, it's a lot, a lot more rare from the bee out there. So if I'd yeah. been out that far, I honestly wouldn't have even thought of even bringing anything along. So yeah, definitely an eye opening experience. Yeah, for sure. So I guess that's pretty lucky. I didn't know how much the bear had actually torn it up. I did see the first picture on it. I just assumed that was from the bear. How big your broadhead tore him open? Was that an expandable, or what the heck did you hit him with to rip that gash in him? That was with the G5 Mega Meat. Good Lord. Good Lord. That's a... Uh, better get hold of them and send them those pictures for an advertisement or something. That was... <laughs> that's a yeah. hole and a half. Um, I guess since we're at this point, if people want to see pictures of what happened, what's your Instagram so people can see them? Um, Cole period 308. Okay. C-O-L-E Yes, sir. Perfect. All right. Cause that I, like I said, like the first time I saw the picture, I saw the pictures a hundred places. Everybody shared it, but I just assumed those first ones, that big gash in the side was from the bear. No, that broadhead put a giant hole in them. And then the bear yeah. came in and opened it up even more. But yeah, that's wild. Yeah, he was halfway skinned for me. <laughs> Perfect. That's that's cool. I mean, it's scary, but that's cool. 
Yeah. Um. Well, cool. That was that story. Um. Were you when you're over here? Are you uh just a whitetail chaser still, or did you really ever try to go after mule deer? I really wanted mule deer because uh, who doesn't want to shoot you know their first mule deer when they've shot whitetails their whole life? But that that year before would have been my first season hunting out in Montana. And I had a really nice mule deer glassed up and had him patterned. And then that opening morning I walked in and he just wasn't coming where I thought he was coming from. And so he caught my wind and actually busted out. And that evening he didn't come into the field and I glassed up that other white tail I shot last year, real, real nice Montana white tail, big six by five barbed wire wrapped up in his antlers. And I thought to myself, I'd shoot it in Kentucky. I better go after it now. So I kind of expected, you know, to mess something up. The first stock of the season doesn't always go as planned, but it worked out and I got lucky. And Yeah. Well, I can tell you as a guy that has put on, uncountable stocks on antelope two dozen on mule deer three dozen on whitetail and four dozen on elk so far this year they don't always work out on the first stock because i still have an empty freezer and i've put on miles so far this year yeah so that's the same yeah if you would as my grandpa always said if you'd shoot on the last day you better shoot it on the first day type of deal save yourself the time and the headache yeah, for sure. The, the one last year scored 153, and it was my biggest with a bow. And now this one I uh, shot this season is the biggest with my bow. It scored 156. Is he at the taxidermist right now or what? Um, He's actually... That one that right one there? Right. On the top? Yep, on the case. That I, is that is pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, just and saved the the cape so i'll get him to the taxidermist this this fall yeah yeah i honestly i don't even know if i really looked at the antlers on it i was more looking at the giant hole in his side and reading the story on it so i i honestly really don't even know if i'd pay that much attention to how big he actually was that's a that's a real nice deer thank you so so you're still empty on mule deer you haven't got one yet is that future plans uh, you can get back after him i got one with my truck i don't <laughs> know <if> <laughs> that that was my first one and th- well i shot one with my b tag as well a doe okay but still no no mule deer buck yet yeah still no mule deer buck um if i can draw some tags next year i'd love to go after him but there no more gonna be yeah well he really is nice. Was he one, two, three, four, five? Is he a six by five? Is that what it is, or six by six? Oh, uh, six by six. Looks like that left yeah. side, the uh, front couple are like goofy, like they're bent in or something. Yeah, I heard it in velvet and kind of bent it over. Mm-hmm. So it that looks like lit off his brow on the one side. When I was scoring him, I actually just looking at his brow tines. His brow tines are huge compared to you know most of my deer and i actually went and measured right around the base of the brow time and it's four inches around the base 
I was going to say, just looking at the way they're bladed out, if you could get a mass measurement and off of the brow tines themselves, you'd add on inches. Yeah, that would have helped a lot. I've never seen a brow time that massive face, but definitely a cool buck and cool experience. Yeah. All right, let's go after this real quick here. You mentioned that you do you did some target archery. Was it just like a like an indoor league over winter type of thing, or is it something you're big into? Um, I wasn't. I, during high school, I used to do NASP National Archery in the Schools program. If you know what that is, I we don't really have it here, so I don't. Is that just? Is it? I guess break it down for a layman because I don't know anything. So is it like recurve only? Is it you shoot whatever um, you want? Matthew's Genesis, so there's no let off on those, and it's yep. just fair. no rest, no sights or anything. And I did that through high school, and was I was ranked fifth in the state of Kentucky when I graduated. And then I just kind of set it up, focused on hunting and working, and wasn't all that worried about it. But in Montana, winters get cold, and it's not a whole lot of lot to do can't work on pole barns every day when it's freezing so i just saw a facebook post about something and figured i'd give it a shot and the first time shooting i went down to billings for indoor and i actually shot pretty good they split the groups up and put me in the better group and I was like, well, maybe something I should try to do again. And I shot a few more small shoots and then went to the Montana State Tournament over in Lewistown. And I got third for indoor archery in the bow hunter class. And then... Were you just shooting your uh, hunting setup or did you go out and buy a different bow and build it no, up or what? just my bow hunting setup it's the pse embark more kind of a budget bow i've got spot hog side on it and I, i'm not even pushing the limits with my stabilizers yet your sight is worth more than that bow then at least to me anyways <laughs> i'm not a pse guy at all i i cannot stand their draw cycle and i can't stand the valley they've got i don't know i've never liked pse that's the one that i can't shoot that's what i've shot since the beginning so i just kind of stuck with it i like the grip and most of the people yeah. that i've talked to that actually like them that's the same mm -hmm. thing it's the one that they started with so that's the one that they're used to i started yeah. with a bear bow and that was unlike anything else but it at least had some sort of valley and then i went to matthews and i bounced between matthews and hoyt and g5 in there and they're all similar and i've i don't know how many dozens i have put through the ringer at Shields and Cabela's and made those poor salesmen watch me shoot arrows just to say, man, I just don't like it. But yeah, I just, they're just I've, something about them. They're just not my thing. Yeah. I've shot the new Matthews that I do like the bridge lock system they have and a little bit better back wall than what I've got. But yeah, I'm not, I just haven't switched yet. Yeah. Not, not to trash what you're shooting. I mean, everybody's got their own opinion, but it's just for me, the PSE is just not my thing. Yeah. I got you, though. I mean, John Dudley made a living off of PSE there for a while, so they can't be that bad, right? Yeah. They've always shot, for me, I can shoot a pretty good group at 110 yards. That's about as far as I can shoot right now with it set up how it is. But 
it, it gets it done whenever I need it to. So, so are you guys shooting? Uh, what what kind of is it like? Just like an indoor indoor range, like a twenty five target setup? Are you guys just shooting papers? What were you doing there? So at the state tournament, it was the five spot target at twenty yards, and then they have the Vegas base. I did some of that too, and then. This summer, I just did the 3D stuff. Okay. 3D is fun. I liked that. 3D 3D is my bread and butter. I don't know what yeah. it is about those Vegas targets. If they're, if I've got Vegas target on my block, back when I was shooting compound, if I had Vegas target on my block, I could just smack X's. But if you put me in front of people and stuff on a Vegas target, there was something about it where I just could not, could not do it. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the pressure or what. Probably the, the deer I shoot at still die though. So that's all that really matters. Yeah. But that's, that's what counts. Yeah. That's the target stuff. <laughs> all right. So that, that was pretty much my big question. Were you just shooting your hunt and rig at it? Or if you, did you have a whole new setup? Were you shooting the same arrows and everything? Your same hunt and arrows and everything? Yeah, I was. I kind of started it late in the season. I didn't want to start switching stuff up before the state shoot. I was shooting dead with it how it was i'm just shooting the vengeance uh 300 flying from shields you got the outserts i just like how they've been shooting out of the bow do you do all your own tuning and everything or you just kind of roll and let them cut them throw points on them and take off no i i try to do some tuning but i'll take it to shields or north 40 you know if i need something that i can't do by myself i'd love to get a bench set up in here with a bow press and stuff someday but yeah yeah i've had that same someday dream since i was 12 so but i finally just bought my first we bought our first house bot bot so i've got a garage i've got the bench set up with all my reloading stuff on it and i've got everything for archery except for bow press so i think that might be the uh winter purchase here and then I'll be set. But like, I got everything to do anything you want with arrows and all that. Yeah. So I think my someday is coming here in the next year or two. And then I'm going to be a pig in mud, just happier and shit. Yeah. Well, hopefully for me too, like I said, I'm still in the process of moving, but this is going to be my hunting room. I got an extra room at this place. So this will hopefully be where I do all my reloading and, arrow cutting and all that good stuff yeah i had to reserve mine to the garage with the family every spare room is booked up in my house right now and i don't oh, yeah i don't quite want to be 10 at night with everybody sleeping down the basement running an arrow saw and everything so i just decided i'm gonna just do it in the garage now and not even have to deal with it later yeah so when you get all set up here are you since you're moving back towards kentucky are you planning on joining a league around there, archery-wise? Um, I don't really know leagues or what all they do if there are leagues. I just go on Facebook, look for the nearest event, and show up and try to take it home. Are you planning I, on making another setup just for that, or are you just going to stick with the hunting setup, hunting arrows, everything? I'll probably do hunting setup around hunting season just because that's what I'm going to be using in the field. But I would like to get another 
another bow set up just for target that I could really dial in and try to shoot some of those higher scores. But yeah, those ones that eliminate all mechanical, it's all just, it's all on you. If there's a miss, it's because of you type of thing. Yeah. That yeah. was, that was my thing. When I'm shooting trap league, there's guys that'll go out and will shoot all summer trap league, but they're to- shooting a totally different trap only setup and everything different shotgun everything i didn't quite understand why you do that i mean like i'm not competing for it i do trap league to pretty much just keep in shooting shape so i'm gonna shoot my shooting shotgun that i'm gonna use all year but those guys they'll shoot their single barrel 1200 $1, $1,500 trap gun specifically all through trap season and all of a sudden we go out pheasant hunting with a totally different shotgun they haven't touched in eight months and that's never i never quite understood that same thing with bow league when i was doing it in williston there i just shoot my bow set up that i'm gonna use for hunting season because i want to practice with i want to practice with something else and then all of a sudden grab something different yeah well if i were to do another setup i'd like to keep it similar to my hunting setup for sure that way it still has the same feel and yeah it would be cool to build a league only bow and be able like have something set up so precise that where it is a hundred percent on you with the hinge release and just you know you know it's gonna be perfect type of thing. It would be cool to have something that accurate, just like having a rifle that you could shoot twelve hundred yards or whatever and know that's gonna be perfect. It'd be cool to have, but there's a lot of other things that I could spend money on before I'm going into yeah. that going into that type of thing. With you, I've got well hopefully I'll be getting married this spring, so gotta for that probably gonna have to cancel a few hunting trips this spring but (laughs) should be worth it that's why i put our wedding in this summer same type of thing try to keep all the kids birthdays out of hunting season two it kind of messed up we got one turning one years old in four days so that's kind of darn elk season but what do you do (laughs) can't plan for everything i guess so while we're here um so you, you've just got bear and whitetail. Is there anything else on your bucket list you're wanting to hit here pretty quick? Um, I enjoy my turkey hunting. Mm, uh, all you Kentucky people do. <laughs> Archery or yeah. are you shotgun or both? I've never killed them with a bow. That's uh, pretty sad on my part, but I just something about shooting a turkey with a shotgun just feels right. Yeah. Well, I won't let you talk to Colton Gilman then because he only shoots him with three curved bows, so or long bows, so. Yeah, well, I'd like to try it sometime, but I just, I'm just usually busy and it doesn't work out like that. Sometimes I'll bring my bow and leave it in the truck. That's what I did this season. <laughs> but one of these days I'll get out there and shoot one with a bow. Maybe it'll, maybe then I'll switch to bow only. Probably will, but. Did you go shoot a turkey while you were uh, in Montana? Yeah, I did. I was able to shoot two Miriams up there. What did you think uh, of them versus your uh, Kentucky birds? A lot prettier. You like that white? Yeah, for sure. That in the morning sun is just beautiful. This spring, I was actually able to take my fiance with me, and we both doubled up opening morning. So that was pretty special. That's awesome. I walked and worked my ass off to get my first one, so 
opening morning yeah. would have been ideal. <laughs> yeah. But I was out in the break, so our turkey population over here, we're kind of in a dead area. Over there in the mountains, you guys got a few more and or by the mountains. And um, if you get east of us over in North Dakota, they've got a lot more over there. And we're kind of in a little dead zone where there's not quite as many flocks and you've really got to work for them. So yeah. kick my butt. I honestly thought it'd be a lot easier than it was, but that's because I only knew South Dakota turkeys were, you kick over a rock and there'd be 12 under it. There's so many around. So, Well, maybe that should be my next stop. South Dakota? Maybe. <laughs> Probably not this year, but <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to get around to the States, you know, see what every state has to offer. Yeah. I like exploring new country. Yeah, I've got, I was stupid. And I didn't, I haven't been putting in for points in different states like I should have when I was younger. I should have been building up points and got to the point to where now where financially I'm not paycheck to paycheck type of thing and I'm more stable and everything. And now I could actually be cashing in points like my friends that were putting points when they younger were. So now if I'm starting to build up points, I'm going to be another 10 years out on some of them. But I've got friends in like Wyoming and Colorado, Idaho nebraska all over these places i'd like to hit so that's future plans for me too i want to cover a bunch of places and see a bunch of different things get different different styles from different areas down yeah that was one of the cool things moving out to montana hunting out west it's a whole different game from back east here where you sit in a tree stand and hope one walks by getting to actually chase them and go out and blast and just way bigger country yeah, that was something I didn't, I really didn't put it quite together, but there's people that the only whitetail hunt out of deer stands in timber, like the Iowa, Illinois, Kentucky, those type of areas, like the Midwest, they don't quite yeah. understand, like, they're in thick timber where a 35-yard shot is far because you can't see past that, or the cover's too thick to hit that, and they didn't quite, they don't quite understand, like, how open everything is. Like, here, where I'm at, I mean, I can get up on a hill and I can see to the horizon because there ain't a tree between me and it. So to be able to yeah. get on a spot and stock on something and get into 65 yards is an accomplishment on some things. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's totally different styles. Like you're saying, different styles for different areas. It's cool to see the differences. Yeah. That was one of the big things I had problems with when I first came out was judging ranges because everything's so big and open i was thinking something was 40 yards and it's out at 80 yeah yeah well that's the thing too with my friend we just got back from our elk trip and my friend blaze our first ones we got in at uh i think it was like 80 yards he went to pull back on one i range i said that's 80 yards and i mean because he well, he'd never really been around elk but that's the thing the different size of the animals and being in the open country it just it's completely different yeah. Um. What else we got? You mentioned coyote hunting real quick. Are you big into the coyote hunting? And uh, if so, are you a shotgun or rifle guy? Uh, well, in Kentucky, I was not really into it that much just because you go out and you might, where I was going, I'd go make two, three, maybe five sits if I was really feeling ambitious and might see one, might not. And then get moving out to Montana, 
I moved out right after hunting season. So coyotes was about all I could go after. And I had to get outside and do something. And it was just crazy to me. I'd have coyotes running in just about every set I did. But I never did get into shotgunning them. I just like shooting my rifles. I like accuracy. And I like the far shots if I can get them. But I think I killed over 20 the first year I was up there. Yeah. Yeah. Were you... um? Are you a mouth caller or are you a uh, Fox Pro type of deal? Fox Pro type of deal. I got into mouth calling for coyotes. I do for turkey. I love talking to turkey, but I never got into all the squeakers for the coyotes. Yeah, I got you. I just, uh, I've always been mouth call kai for coyotes. Not like read, not like a diaphragm call. Mm-hmm. I like actual mouth calls, but I've always, uh, I've always stuck with that. Part of it was when everybody switched to Fox Pro, I didn't have the money to do it or Lucky Duck or whatever. So I just stuck with my mouth calls and then everybody and their brother got the same call and they would go out and they'd hit the same jackrabbit sequence every single time. And every coyote in the area figured out that sound means run away, not run towards it. And I was still able to do things on the mouth call that were every time it was different. And then, you know, I go higher pitch, lower pitch, things like that. So I was still having a success while everybody else was saying every coyote they called at was going the other way. So... Yeah. And um, I've got friends that have got the electric call. So if we need one, I just be like, hey, come along with me. Yeah. I never really had any problems out of mine. I, I'd try to change up the sequences, you know, but they would come in and I, I'd shoot. I got you. <laughs> but I did that from a few. I was bringing it to a, my coyotes to a guy who was buying the first off of me and he did mention that that a lot of people like the mouth calls just for that reason because everyone uses the electronic calls and they might be used to it. Or was it uh, Colt Violet? Is that who you guys have up there? Colt Furs. Who? Colt Furs. Or who do you guys? Who are you guys selling to up there? No, I was selling to a private guy. Mm. Uh, I, I'm not really sure what his name would be, but. Yeah, I just know Colt, he covers the, the majority of Montana and then Idaho, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska. He covers a big area and he's got guys that work for him too, but I said okay. the same one, but yeah, me and Colt get along pretty good. So I didn't know if he hit your guys' area or not. I hadn't really talked to him if he got out that far west, but mm-hmm. um, let me think. What else we got? Did you uh think on what your favorite hunting story is? Um. I don't think I could pick a favorite. <laughs> what would be besides the bear? Have you had any odd things happen while on a hunt or anything that stands out at all? I've had a lot of odd things happen on hunts too, you know. Um, um here's one. I when when I was first starting out hunting, me and my dad, we just kind of hunted behind the house. We had a, a chicken coop and in the barn, and we cut a hole out in the wall of the barn, and we had permission to hunt 
back there, you know. And we'd just slip in there in the morning, sit in the barn and look out our little window, little makeshift blind or fancy blind, however you want to look at it. But uh, we were sitting there and probably 30 minutes after light, a nice nine point came in. And that was the first deer we shot together. We shot it and it ran down, piled up 80 yards away. And then we sat there waiting. I was wanting to shoot one too, if one would come by. And a doe, doe and a smaller buck came in. And we weren't going to shoot the buck. We were just going to shoot the doe, fill, fill the freezer a little bit. And so I shot the doe. She stood up and just kind of fell back over. And the little buck that was with her, he was rutted up pretty good, I guess. Not thinking with his head, but he got up, he smelled her. He lifted his, his head and started smelling the wind. And I guess our wind was blowing to him because he just turned and started coming straight on the line head down grunting he was mad <laughs> we we didn't really didn't want to shoot him and he ended up i ended up shooting him he was probably five yards from the wall of our barn i don't know if he stopped or would have just run into the barn or what but that was that was a cool hunting experience that's awesome. So that, that would have been my first deer there. That's cool. That's real cool. Yeah. Well, man, we've already put in an hour. I don't oh, feel well. like it, but, uh, no, it doesn't. So I guess, uh, is there anything else you want to tell the people before we, uh, clock out of here? Um, Words of wisdom, advice, anything like that? Uh, bring some bear spray, (laughs) a big enough gun to defend yourself if you have to, because you never know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Even if you're on the edge of where you might be like North of Great Falls, it's not common to see them, but it happens. So yeah, they'll be there when you least expect it. Well, cool. Um, do you, uh, want the people to, uh, want to give out your Instagram or whatever so people can follow it, see your hunting adventures, things like that? Sure. I guess you already kind of did, but say you're yeah. again. Yeah, just Cole period 308. Cool. I'll post a few deer on there and whatever else I get to go hunting. Cool. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. And uh, yeah, it was a real cool story and the rest of it was real cool. So you have a good rest of your day and we'll talk to you later. Thank you. You too. All right. All right. We're about to pick the winner for the 509 Goose Call from Pacific Calls. Uh, got home late last or tonight from work, so uh, no guest picker tonight. The whole family's asleep and in bed. So we're going to do the random number generator and uh, see what we come up with. So the number is 38. Go through the list here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38. 
Colton Shellpepper. You are the winner of the 509 Goose Call. I'll uh, hit you up and hit up Pacific Calls. We'll get this lined up. Thanks for everyone to signed up for the giveaway. We've still got two weeks left. Uh, next week will be uh, the case of shotgun shells. And the week after, the final week, will be the decoys from Big Al's Decoys. So good luck. Um, if you haven't got friends signed up, make sure you get them on there. Um, better luck next week, I guess.